Hi, I'm Haley, author of the book blog, Brook and Binding. I'm Maddie, upcoming debut author, and this is Lit Sis. Okay, so for, we've talked about this a bunch. We have the month of memoirs which is for the entire month of January, we're going to read only memoirs. Some of us didn't stick to this completely. Um, but for the most part, we're going to read only no, memoirs. Both of us read something, at least one thing. Okay, you read multiple memoirs. things that weren't memoirs. I read two. Three. Two. Three. What? Small two. great things. That counts as well. Anyway, we both read things that weren't memoirs but Haley read more than me that weren't memoirs um but so we have given ourselves a challenge that we are gonna we laid out the specific memoirs that we are gonna read this month um and it is January 31st so technically today is the end of the month of memoirs um and so we're here to talk to you guys today about how that went and yeah just see how see what we thought of them how it changed our mind about memoirs or maybe we fell more in love with them and it's my favorite and most excited part is that we're going to discuss our favorite sad memoirs and how we swapped and read the other person's favorite. Yeah. Um, so, so I do need to be a little transparent. I know it is the 31st, but it is still early in the day of the 31st. And um, one of my books, I've not finished reading. Oh, <gasps> Haley. How dare I? How dare you? Well, this book in particular, I have tried reading the past two days, and I have read it the past two days, but I, it, it's something I can't, like, I can't pump out, but I'm giving myself some grace today, and hopefully it doesn't have to extend to tomorrow, but you know what? I'm just going to get it done for sure, for sure, no matter what. And um, because I'm one of those people where once I start a book, I have to finish it. Um, No, we're one of those weird people. Yeah, but I'm hoping to get, well, because you never know if, like, you might not like it at the beginning, and then, like, the more you read, the more you like it. So if you just give up, and then if you give up halfway through, it's like if you ever decide to pick it back up, you have to reread what you've already read because you're going to forget what it's about, so. Anyway, so I am not 100% done with my month of memoir challenge, but I am really proud of the progress I have made, even with the other non-memoirs that I read. I mean, we both read more than five books this month, which is normally five is like our average, and we did a really good job reading more than that. How many did you read? Um, I, well, now that my computer open, I can check for you. I think I read eight, maybe eight for this month. I read more than you. Well, yes, you did because you read some other ones. And also I would have had another book read for this month, but I'm choosing right now. The book that I'm reading is a bit of a harder, it's a longer book, a bit of a harder one to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have had more books read this month if I had not, because I finished my month of memoirs with like a week left in the month. 
and mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you're still working on yours. And so then I decided to start reading a book that is a lot longer. But if I had chosen to read a shorter mm-hmm. book, then I would have been done. So I read for sure. Well, let me see. I got to go to my Goodreads. Eight books. I read eight books this month. I read ten. Wow. I know. You are super impressive. That's the most I'm pretty sure I've ever read in one month. That was real dedication. I mean, I think it, like there were times where I was like, "Wow, this is really helping me." Like, I think I said that last week of like, "This is really motivating me and helping me want to read, get all of these done." Like having this goal, not even having a goal of this specific number, but like these books, I'm for sure trying to get done in this month. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a way you can look at that and like oh my gosh, I'm stressing out. I still have like four books to go and blah, blah, blah. But it was more of like, this is tentatively what I would like to do. And I'm just going to read. And like one of the books I read in a day, literally, like another book I read in like two days, you know? So like here and there, you're like, wow, I actually pumped out like three books in a week, which normally would take me a lot longer. So it's just it was just really interesting. I'm just really proud of myself. And I'm kind of hoping to move forward with this year with that same mentality, kind of like what we talked about is like, these books in particular, I'm hoping to get done this month, and if I'm able to, then awesome, but if I don't get to all of them, I'll just, you know, push it to the next one, but it's like having that goal instead of like, oh, which book am I going to read next, because that can kind of waste some time too. Yeah, and that's something we talked about, about kind of setting out every single month and being like, these are the books that I'm going to read. Because it helps uh-huh. motivate us to get through those books because we're like, we know exactly which one we're going to read instead of taking, we talked about this last week, instead of taking the time out of our day to figure out what book do I want to read next, we at least have it lined up for us. Uh-huh. So you read eight books. I mean, I, I read eight books, you read 10. I, I corrected myself. Um, so, and we did them a little bit differently. We had one, two, we had four crossover books of the same books that we read. Um, and of all the crossovers, I was the one that read all of them first. No, we read five crossovers. No, we didn't. Oh, including, yes. And you read that one first. But of all the memoirs, I read them first and then you read them because you were focused on your non-memoir books. Um, yeah, I switched in and out. Yeah. And so we did lay out every single one of the books that we were planning on reading a couple episodes ago. And so I ended up reading all of mine. Um, all the ones that I had laid out, including an extra that wasn't a memoir, but was a book that you had read and told me to read. Uh-huh. I think I read, I read all of them. I even read more. Um, I think I ended up not reading a book that you would not consider. You didn't consider a memoir because it is like an autobiography. So I didn't end up reading that, but I picked up like two other ones. But I did not get around to an audiobook that I was going to read, which, like, I kind of just last minute was like, oh, I should try to just pump that out this week, too. But honestly, like, the book that I'm reading right now is pretty, like, you got to chew on it a while. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not easy. And you read it. So it's like, I did. You, you have to, you can't just pump it out and be like, oh, I just got down 100 pages. You're like, oh, wow, 50 pages has taken me, like, way longer than normal because it's just she's very wordy 
but not in a bad way, I don't think, but it's just like, you have to really follow along the story. It's not like you can kind of, you can't really get super lost in the story very well. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, or it's like the pages are flying by. Yeah. And it's, she also, ones, she also writes it in a way that's kind of confusing. I don't think so. But I know. We can I, talk about that when we get to it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I have on my list six books, seven books on here, and I read more than that. Mm-hmm. And one of them wasn't even an wasn't even a memoir on this list, and one of them I didn't even get to. So I read more. I like picked up a few more. Haley's just trying to make herself feel better about not finishing them all. No, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to. I'm just. I was at one, two. I will say we did have some hiccups because one of the books I had to get from my friend. So I had to make sure like I could get that from her. Another book we got from the library, but it was like until like the end of January, like super close to the end of January where we finally got it. I got another notification from the library that one of the books was ready to pick up. And I was like, too late. It was one we already read though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, um, we already read this, and we figured out another way to get it. So. Yeah, so, screw you, library. I know. Usually I'm a big fan, but it just took a while. It took a while. Anyway, so, I feel like we should just dive in. We're being kind of vague. So yeah. I feel like, let's just dive in on what, what we read, and maybe, like, our rating, if we want to give those, mm-hmm. or we want to, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I'm going to start. I'm not going to dwell too much on the first one, because I think we should spend a lot of time comparing my first one and your pretty much last one yeah in comparison but i will d- say what it is so i the first one i read was the unwinding of the miracle by julia williams which is Haley's fave um uh it's like sad memoir um and why don't you read that for like a year i know and you've told me about it when we talked about it before on the podcast but basically she was born in vietnam blind from cataracts comes to the United States, gets, like, somewhat of a vision, and then at the age of, like, 38 is diagnosed with colon cancer, which is so scary, because colonoscopies, like, routine ones don't really start until, like, you're 50. So, like... Yeah. Like, if they... If, I mean, they should have started earlier on her, I guess, but you don't know that. Um, nobody knows that until, you know, until too, too late. Um, and so, it kind of... The book is is really good and it's super sad and she's got like two young daughters and she does end up passing away which we've talked about before um i really appreciated this book and i really loved it it was a different type of reading a book because Haley's copy is a manuscript so it is a bit of different feel had it in like a little box and there were sometimes where like that all the doctors were known by their initials and i was like oh she's probably gonna like change the names on them but here are their initials instead um and like these little things like oh like here's my name and then it's like insert chinese characters here um so it's fun it's, it was kind of fun to read a book that isn't completely finished yet um so yeah that, i gave it yeah yeah it book. is published now and i gave it five stars awesome well i feel like well i'm just glad that you ended up crying i did i, I did like that book is so touching especially the end where I told you, like, I've done all the times, I had to, like, stop reading and, like, have a moment of crying and then try to go back and read more because it's just so touching. I don't know if that, it hit you that hard, 
but because you haven't said, I just knew that you cried, but you didn't say. I mean, know, the ending, inc- like the ending, especially like the last few paragraphs, are just so sad uh-huh. and so touching. It was really good. No sobbing. I wasn't Here sobbing. I don't know if I've ever sobbed over a book. No, Hearts well, Invisible Furies, I'm pretty I sure did. I cried. Yeah. I don't know. Sure, sure. Five stars. I gave it five stars, too. It is five star. Five star worthy. I was, yeah. So I decided I probably, I'll talk about all my memoirs. First, and if we have time, I'll just kind of briefly go through the other ones I read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll just talk about the memoirs because that's what we're here for. And then, if you guys want to see my full reviews and see what other books that I read this month, you can go to at Brook and Binding on Instagram and then my blog, brookandbinding.wordpress.com, for like the full length reviews and synopsis and stuff like that. So, my first memoir that I read was Wild Game, which you could not wait for me to read. I like uh, it. By Adrian Broder, or Bro- I always say Broder, but I'm pretty sure it's like Broday or something. Yeah, it looks so. Frenchish. Yeah. So, essentially, this girl, Adrian, when she was 14 years old, her mom woke her up in the middle of the night and was like, I just kissed your dad's best friend. Like, essentially. And it starts this whole, like, secret love affair that goes on for, like, many years. And, like, the mom uses the girl, Adrian as, like, her confidant and, like, kind of, like, their co-conspirator in a way of, like, hey, like, we want to spend some time together. Can you, like, make up a lie? Yeah, you know, so we distract. Get, yeah, distract or that you can, like, why did mom go into the city? Oh, you know, she went to go visit grandma or whatever when she really was going to see her lover. So, crazy stuff. Um, and I ended up giving it four out of five stars. Um, I really liked it. I had pretty high expectations because Maddie loves this memoir. Um, but I think to a fault, I think you might be built it up too much because you loved it so much. I always and do that. I read it. I, well, I think we each do because we each are like, this book's amazing. And then when we actually like, switch with each other and we read each other's favorite because we talk about it so much and build stuff so much it's like oh I I do really like this but I don't know if I like it as much mm. maybe from now on we should just be like hey read this book I'm not going to tell you instead anything about like, it yeah <laughs> instead of like hey this book's amazing it means you you know all of that that's true but anyway it, first off I mean the premise of that is like Super duper disturbing, for one. Can you imagine? Yeah, bad boundaries. And I would say, like, the reason I didn't give it five out of five was, like, I think there was parts of it that it just started getting kind of monotonous of, like, just the same, oh, we want to sneak off together and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I think after a while, it just kind of, it just kind of was like, oh, obviously. But there were some crazy things that happened, and... It was cool to see how Adrian like started having like uh, would reflect on like her upbringing and like have some healing moments and just she ended up I won't spill it all but like she ends up in the end like feeling like she gets some closure and like 
is able to talk about things and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, four out of five for me. I'm really glad I read it. Um, I'm going to skip over the next two that I read because we did talk about them separately in a different episode. Um, we did a book yeah. review on these two, which was Brain on Fire in the Great Pretender by Susanna Cahalan. Um, mm-hmm. And so, we each gave our reviews. And we did so. each give our reviews. So just to rem- a reminder, Brain on Fire, I gave a five. And Great Pretender, I gave a four. And Haley, uh, she flip-flopped her rating. So she liked yeah. Great Pretender more. Um, yep. but yeah, if you want more in depth on, uh, end of conversation on that and also about mental illness and just kind of the things that we discuss, um, and the difficulties in diagnosis, you can go and listen to that episode where we kind of go into it further. Yeah. Um, essentially really quick. I'm glad you said it's kind of about mental illness because if you don't really know what they're about, not heard of them, essentially this girl, all of a sudden in the first book, Brain on Fire, all of a sudden like starts having some really weird symptoms and like. Um, gets diagnosed with like schizophrenia, I believe, Matt, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and bipolar. Like that, and bipolar and all these things, but um, I won't give anything away, but that's not what's wrong. And then the second book, she dives deeper into like the history of like mental illness and mental disorders and how they've been diagnosed and people have been treated over the years. And it's just really, really interesting. So check those out if that, if you're intrigued by that. And they're really good. Yeah, it's good stuff. So since I just kind of, we just touched on those, do you want to go, you have more memoirs to share. So how about you share your next one? Yeah. So the next one I read was another um, recommendation from me, Mad. It's This Star Won't Go Out by Esther Grace Earl. Um, and I feel like people are like, oh, that kind of sounds familiar. But she um, is what or she was good friends with um John Green, the author, she became pretty good friends with him. And a lot of people are like, oh, was she the inspiration for The Fault in Our Stars? Which, not really, but I think he, in the book, he does say that, like, being around her helped him, you know, see how these kids with terminal illnesses are, like, able to still have life and, like, you know, like, all this stuff like that. And, like, just gave him a new perspective when he was writing the book. So, um, but essentially, she, um, Esther, um, when she was 14 years old, was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And at the time, the family was living in France. And so they ended up moving back to the U.S. Uh, and trying to get her some really good treatment and stuff like that. But unfortunately, when she was 16, she died. Um, and the book is huge. It's like 432 pages. And mm-hmm. it's essentially got pictures, it's got journal entries by her, it's got um, her parents, like they started a blog while she was sick, and um, so people could be updated, and so it's got like, um, just like their entries in there, and then there's, um, towards the end, it's like the parents, her parents like describing kind of her last few days, and, um, and then like the people that she touched, like, they talk about her, and, like, they share about, like, the funeral and stuff like that. It's really, really sad, and I definitely did cry at one point, but it, it was beautiful. I gave it a five out of five. Yes, it is such a good book. I remember when I read it, it was, like, Christmas of 2014 or something, and uh, I read it, like, all in, or maybe 2015. I remember I read it all in a day. It was such a good mm-hmm. book, and it is very, very sad and very touching because she was so young 
Um, uh-huh. So my next memoir that I read after those those two was Into Thin Air by John Krakauer, which is the real story, obviously, of the May 10th, 1996 Everest, uh, like, I don't know the right word for it. Like, it wasn't like a, it was kind of a, it wasn't like a storm. Yeah, it was an exposition that a bunch of people died because of bad, it was like bad weather. It wasn't like an avalanche. It was kind of just like this little disaster where. Wouldn't wouldn't they have known though, like not to like, the right maybe or whatever story is, but wouldn't they have known like going into it of like, hey, this might not be the best time of year maybe best time um, no actually no because the guy who led it he had summited like seven times or something and already two or three of those times had been exactly on the day of may 10th like it's like the best time to go Oh wow! And so, so they like even planned it to make sure it was a good day. Yeah, and so wow, it was really just really kind of very much just kind of hard. I gave it four stars, um, but like the guy who wrote, uh, wrote it was a reporter who had or a journalist that had come on the exposition to um, exhibition to um, to you know write about it. But he he told his wife he was like, oh, I'll only go to the base. Like I'm not going to go up all the way. And he like went up all the way and he summited. He's like, I'm not going to come all the way to Everest and not do it. Um, and so wow. it was a mix of a lot of different things that had happened. Like it wasn't necessarily like super bad, like weather, like snowy, whatever stuff. But a lot of it had to do with the time that they went up, um, the people yeah. on the actual ex- exposition. Cause there was this one guy who had worked like two jobs in order to fund this trip. And it was like his dream. Wow but he was also a bit older. And so it took him a lot longer. And so it was a lot of just like people being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like someone thinking that they didn't have oxygen when they did. And it was just like a whole bunch of just little, little mishaps that led to eight people losing their life um, on Everest that day. Um, So it's a very, you can, you can climb Everest in one day. No, 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 no. It takes like six weeks. But I'm saying the, they summited, the summit is in one day. Like you do it, you get up really early, but you get close enough to it. Like there's like a, like a a base right there. That's like the South something. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've done this when I would like, when I would trekking and stuff like that, but you go to like a base and then you spend the night and you wake up super early, like 3am and then you climb up to the top. And then climb back down. Okay. So it's not like they're starting from the bottom and then working their way up. Oh, okay. They've been going at it for I like. Always I always picture people are like, all right, here we go. And they start at the bottom and go all the way. I never, I guess, realized or thought about how, like, maybe, like, more travel, the lower parts of that mountain are. And then when it's like, okay, we're going to for sure go up to the tip, that's like, we're doing this moment. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, a lot of people right. maybe just go to Everest Base Camp, which takes about two weeks. But then there's a lot of times where like you have to stop for several days for what's called climatization. Two weeks to get to the base camp. Before yeah, before you get to the summit. Yeah, base camp wow. isn't at the base of Everest. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's Everest is one little mountain. It's not like separate and standing all on its own. You know, it's in a mountain range. 
So you trek yeah. to that range, in that range, and then to the base of Everest. And then yeah. there's a lot of different, I could talk about this a lot, but there are a lot of different days that you just don't do anything called climatization days, which is basically you are just getting used to the percentage of oxygen that's in the atmosphere while you're not doing any physical okay. activity at all. So, so the people who died, they had made it to the base, and then the day they decided to do the summit to go up and down, they would you say like there were any indications prior like when they were climbing the other parts like that no. they maybe were gonna struggle nope not at all there, be hard on anybody? there wasn't any indication wow. at all in fact like the leader his name, his name was rob hall he like had done these expositions all the time he literally was just like he was so worried that there were because there's all these different tour groups happening all at once he was so worried that there was going to be like a different group that was there that was going to cause issues or going to cause a backup. And he didn't think it was ever going to be his own. Um, and, it, and, and, and once you reach Everest base camp, it still is, you still have weeks in order to get to this. So there's a bunch of different camps. Everest base camp is just at the base. And there's a bunch of other ones leading up to Everest before you get to the camp that you stay at before you go up to the peak. Like it takes a very long time to get there wow. i mean I, I actually i think base camp might take four weeks to get there and then two weeks to get finally to the top um wow and so they were like literally like they they were at the top camp very top camp woke up and during that entire 24 hours crazy things happened and led to so many deaths so it was very oh it was a very chilling story i'll just give it that is very chilling it was very like educational for a while and that was kind of boring it's just kind of talk about the history of everest and then at the end it was so oof. yeah it was so so chilling it was crazy did you say there's like a movie there is a movie story based yes there is a movie called into thin air that's older that they made pretty soon after the accident but then there's a more modern one that came out in 2015 called Everest, which I've seen, and was, it's pretty good depiction, in my opinion. Would you say it, it captures it pretty well? Yeah, I would say so. I would say it captures the story pretty well. Well, I would say, like, I kept forgetting you had read this book, and I was like, when you, uh, when we were going to do the recording, I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear about what you actually thought of it, because I feel like it was like, a, oh, you read it, and then we didn't really talk about it, you kind of just moved on, so I'm really glad you care about that, that sounds, especially because this is one that we both didn't read, this is like mm-hmm. one of the few ones that we either, that like one of us read, but one of us didn't, so yeah, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm kind of intrigued by it, do you think I would like it? I think you would. Yeah. yeah. I say, I say give it a try. Yeah. Well, you got it from the library. Yeah, so you so maybe it, I'll yeah get it from the library. library. In the library again. I think you might just have to. So, as most of you know by now, I have a book blog, brookandbinding.wordpress.com. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please go check it out. You're a loser. I'm kidding. You're not a loser, but you really should check it out. Definitely check it out. All of the books that we talk about, well, almost all of them. Each month, I have posted on and a review and all of like a synopsis, all the different things, how I feel about the book, what I rated it out of five. It's 
I think it's I think it's pretty pretty good. What it is think? pretty good. But if you're like, oh my gosh, that's so much reading, and you want a little short and sweet, just like a five star, four star, three star, whatever rating, you can go to at Maddie Reads a Lot on Instagram. That is my bookstagram. So check out either of our bookstagrams or blog at Brook and Binding or at Maddie Reads a Lot for more love of books. All right. So what is your next memoir? Well, the next memoir I have is Educated by Tara Westover. Oh, yeah, because you read a bunch of books in between. So this one was... Yeah, yeah. so what I did... Let me explain really quick. So I actually think I tried putting these books in order of me reading them. Um, So I first off started the year with a non-memoir. I um, had already had that going and then I finished that one off. And then I read The Wild Games, The Star Will Go Out. Then I read The Wives by Karen Fisher, which just came out on December 31st. Which I also I read. Asked for that book. Yes. I asked for this book and another book um, called Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, um, which I kind of talked about last week. Um, I requested both those from the library, and they needed to be due within January at some point. And so... I got them done. Um, and then I read Brain on Fire, Grape and Thunder. Then I read Such a Funny. And then these last three that I've read have all just been memoirs. Yes. So I kind of tried putting the non-memoirs, like I would read like two or three memoirs, and then I would read a non-memoir. So I wasn't yeah. like She wasn't just, out. yeah. Yeah. So you, we can both talk about Educated because we also both read that one. So, but you start and start discussing it. Educated, um, it's a book that we both, when we first talk about memoirs, doing the month of memoirs, if you guys want to check it out, um, we were like, yeah, we've kind of been like against reading this book because it's got so much attention, um, but, and we kind of were like turned off by the cover, which never judge a book by cover. I thought it was a story about teachers. Yeah, we thought it was like about teachers, and yeah, it just didn't sound interesting, but anyway, so it's about this girl named Tara who is the youngest of seven children and grew up in, like, very rural Idaho on the side of a mountain to a very, like, radical Mormon family, um, I think. Yes, very. Call, I think she calls them, like, there's, like, a certain name that she calls them. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I don't know either, but they are they are Mormons, and she does specify. She's, like, our, real, the way we acted is not, like, how normal Mormons are. No, it's like very radical beliefs. Um, Like, for example, she like thought that the feds were going to go after her family and like raise them because all the kids were not in public school because the dad was like, they're brainwashing you guys and blah, blah, blah. So they never went, well, there's like one or two of their older kids that did go to public school. For a little bit. No one really went to public school. Um, They never went to the hospital hardly ever um, because, I mean, they were a few times they did, but it was like modern medicine was like going to hurt them instead of like help them. And like just so many different things. Like it just was not so eventually when she like one of her older siblings he um, decided he's going to go to college Tara was like that's an option <laughs> like I didn't even know like 
and we could even do that. And so she studied really hard and actually gets into a college and further her education and learns a ton. Like things that you most likely listener have kind of taken for granted in your knowledge of history um, or who people are or certain events in history. Um, she had like no clue about or kind of heard about it but wasn't really sure just only sure know exactly who like, for an example she had no idea what the holocaust was when she was in college yeah yeah everyone like kind of thought she was making a joke but like a mean joke obviously but later she found out what it actually was she was like i remember kind of hearing about something like that but i didn't know to the extent of what it was yeah she didn't she realized, think it was like, that extreme what yeah, she realized, like, oh, gosh, like, my question probably came all cross, like, so horrible by saying that, because now she understood, like, the context of, like, what they were talking, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, it's so crazy. So I really liked the book. I gave it four out of five. It reminded me a lot of The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls, which Maddie had read Educated before I read it, and um, she said it would do that, and it definitely did. Um, I think, I, I rated it five stars out of five and what I just really enjoyed about it. I like, I liked Glass Castle a lot. Um, I thought it was a really well written book, but it was also very, um, abstract because Jeanette Walls was a lot younger for the majority of the book. Um, but Tara has these more. like direct understandings of what's going on with her family like you see because she's writing it in a retrospective way but still staying like present in the moment so she would say she'd write these things that was like well of course the feds were coming after us so like she was writing in the in the in the mind of tara at that age but in a way that you knew that she she knows now that that's not right and that that was incorrect and so you get this like dichotomy of this is what she truly believed versus she understands that this isn't real and isn't right. Well, I think it's because she wrote the book like chronologically. So, yes. Like, this is how things went about. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later in her life where she, you know, realized all these, all these differences. So when she wrote the book, it wasn't like, no, I don't want to get the, get the impression that she was like, I later found out because of that. Like, no. In the midst of yeah. telling a third story. There are little bits of, like, footnotes that she will say of, like, mm-hmm. this story has been dis- disputed because I remember it one way, but my brother yeah. was in another way. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah. Like, no, she she writes it as she writes it as if that is her in the moment. So it like it flows more like a fictional book, which is okay. which it is another thing. It's like you got to remind yourself it is real. So I really liked it. I thought it was super fantastic. So yeah, it was it is really good. All right, um, what's the next book? My next one is. Oh, maybe we should skip over that one. Oh, okay. So we, let's talk about that at the very end. Okay, okay. So do you want to talk about the book that I'm currently reading? Because yeah. I think that's your next memoir. No, I'm, I, I, we skipped over one when you talked about Educated. So you talk about the one you're reading. I'll backtrack, and then we'll end with comparing the two sad ones. What, what did you read? I didn't read that one. Hold on. You'll get there. You'll get there. Okay. So I'm talking about what I currently read? Yeah, what you're currently reading. I am currently reading 
Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Um, I really like it so far. I'm, I would say I'm halfway, more of than halfway. I'm about halfway. <laughs> I'm about halfway through. Um, and this, okay, so this is the thing. I, so this is about the girl who was the quote unquote victim, quote unquote, Emily Doe of the Stanford, um, like swimmer guy. Brock Turner. Um, and the thing is, I like kind of remember hearing something about that because that happened in 2015. Yeah, I remember it distinctly. I was in high school. I don't remember it that well. Like, I feel like everyone is like, oh, you obviously know this story. And I'm like, well, I kind of remember it. I mean, the details I know is, yeah. I mean, the... Yeah, well, the details I remember are that... I don't remember about her, but I remember that, like, Brock Turner was a swimmer, he was a freshman, and he had assaulted her. And I just remember the one, and I don't know if you've gotten that scene yet, but there was one moment where, like, his dad talks about how, like, he doesn't like to smile anymore. Like, he's not, like, my happy boy anymore. His life's forever changed. And I remember being like, that's annoying because he's the one who did it to himself. And so I remember that. But I didn't really know anything else of the story. Yeah, I didn't really remember all that. I remember that it was, like, this guy who was, I was like, I think he's a swimmer. Like, you know, stuff like that. So when I picked up the book, I've just been taking it at face value, which I've talked about trying to do before with books um, and with movies. I'm like, I'm just going to take this as it is and, you know, see where it takes me and not really. Because when I have the preconceived notions, I think that's when I get disappointed. So if I just go in and, like, I'm just going to see what this book has to offer me and see if I like it or not, and then that's how I kind of go about things. But um, so far, I really like it. Her writing style is really unique. She doesn't use quotations when she talks about people talking to each other. She does write this in a reflective way, so it's very much of, like, remembering conversations, um, and she uses italics for those moments. Um, and she's very, she kind of pieces together things like that. Like, she, in the italics, she'll have, like, just snippets of, like, questions or conversations that you can tell, like, in her memory, that's kind of how she, like, they've kind of overlapped in her brain. It's not like she remembers the full-on questions, but it's, like, you know, feeling like when you're, gonna, like, bombarded with things, you just remember, like, what did you think? How did you know? And that's how she writes, which I think is really interesting, which I can see how maybe that can be a little confusing. But I'm interested to know, like, what part that you feel like how she writes confuses you. Because I know... You said that that was, like, your biggest thing with her, with her story, is um, how she writes. Um, I just think, for me, it was, like, there was so much of, I mean, she does go mostly chronological, but I think there were a, a couple instances of jumping around. Um, mm-hmm. And there were, I think there were a couple instances of something that I know you certainly don't like, which is where, like, which I'm surprised you didn't, it didn't bother you, but sometimes there are instances of, like, conversation and then it switches settings without you knowing it, like without. I have picked up on that. Either. And so that that for me, I, I've said it before in the past. It's not a huge deal, but I think because of the italics and because she doesn't norm, she doesn't go about the normal rules of sentences and quotations and grammatical ways. Like sometimes she just has dialogue in the middle of a sentence that somebody like a middle of a, middle of a paragraph that someone else is saying, 
without kind of saying who's saying it that I think was just hard for me, but I really enjoyed the story overall and like what she brought to the table and just seeing the way that she grieved through it because she does grieve a bunch, like even after, even after like sentencing, sentencing is done. Like even, even after he's seen as guilty, like she's still angry and she's still upset and her life is still like changed and it's still really hard for her. And so it's, it's a, such an interesting story to show that, like, just because you get justice doesn't mean the hurt is over. Yeah, and I think for me, um, I know we need to move on to your book, too, but the backtracking a little bit. But, um, well, what really, what did you rate this? I rated, I rated No, My Name is a three just because it was really hard for me personally to just get into the book and to stay, like, interested with the way that it was written. But I did enjoy the story a lot. Okay. Oh, excuse me. But obviously you haven't rated it yet because you're not finished. No, that's true. Um, but I would just say for me, like, this kind of would be a book I normally wouldn't really want to go towards. Uh, I'm kind of dipping my toes and a little bit more of, like, political, hot topic-ish, you know, stuff like that book here and there. Um it's not really what I would like to, I usually would go after. And so there are times where, like, I can tell, I can tell I'd be like, you know, normally this would really irritate me. Or, like, normally I'd be really annoyed with her in this moment. But I think I'm really just trying to take in the story as it is. And I just feel like she's such, like, a genuine, she seems like a really genuine person where I'm like, I can see where you're coming from and your frustration of this and why your experience has shaped you to view things this way. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it feels justified in my mind. Like, okay, I get it. Versus like, you're just getting annoyed for no reason. Like, this is stupid. Like, calm down. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, it's actually, I've kind of been able to like take a step back and be reflective while I'm even reading it of like, Okay, I see you, and you know I I'm gonna I'm gonna accept that. Like I I, mm -hmm. I can I can get behind you on that. I might not 100 agree, but like I get it. Yeah. So that has been actually pretty cool for me because usually I'm like annoyed and I'm like this stupid mama, and then I like I'm just like whatever, and I kind of like write it off. So mm -hmm. maybe I'll get there at the end. Who knows? But so far I've been feeling like I've been doing pretty good at that. Good. All right, backtracking. This was my last memoir, not the last one that I read, but like this was like the third to last one that I read, but last one to talk about for me. So my last one to talk about is "I Am Malala" by Malala Yousafzai. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know if I'm ever saying her last name correctly. Um, so I think a lot of people remember the story of Malala, but I just, I guess, I just never knew all the details. So I just want to hit on a couple of key points before we kind of wrap things up with our comparison. Um, so what I really enjoyed about this book was that I didn't realize that Malala was already making headway as a, like a, a strong young woman, like her dad had like made a school and he, and, and she was like, um, already like speaking at things. And so she was specifically targeted. Did you know this? Yeah. Let's see. I had no idea. I guess it was, I was a little bit younger when that happened compared to like the well, know my name stuff. I also, and I know I just said I'm a person who likes to finish books. I actually started that book and I never finished it. Mm, so I okay. remember the first beginning parts of it yes. and what you were just talking about. Yeah, so she was already, like, she was specifically targeted. They like, asked her, like, who's Malala? And she said, like, I'm Malala. 
Um, and then she was shot. Well, actually, she just raised her hand and then saying, like, the saying, I am Malala was kind of a thing that started to stick as being, you know, like a strong okay. thing. Um, and so it was really, really interesting. I loved the medical side of things when she explained everything that happened to her. And I loved, loved, loved hearing about her life living in Pakistan. Um, just all those little things because it was in talking about a culture that I really, really love without going into the stereotypical things that I normally really hate when it comes to talking about like a Muslim country um, and all the stereotypical things that can sometimes come from that. It was really just kind of talking about her and her life and education and the things that happened to her. And I thought it was just really, really beautiful. It reminded me, obviously, similar uh, region of the area, but it reminded me of like the really fun and nice parts of any book by Khaled, Ho- Khaled Hosseini. Um, mm-hmm. which are really, really good books that are really sad. Um, but it was just, I thought it was just a really good, really good story. Um, and a really moving and really touching. And she's not been back to Pakistan. She's living in wow. Birmingham in England, um, Birmingham in England. And so she's never since being, she literally had no idea she left Pakistan until she woke up in Birmingham and wasn't there anymore. And she's not been back because it's too dangerous for her to go back. Um, How old is she now? Do you know? She's like 22, maybe, maybe older. She actually might be 24. I don't know. She's in her 20s now and she still hasn't been able to go home. So it was very, very touching and very beautiful. But before we end, because we're on a little bit of a time crunch, I want to talk briefly about When Breath Becomes Air. Yeah. Please, Haley, tell me about my favorite memoir. I read this book in a day, literally. So good. I, well, it's a pretty small book, um, and it flows really well. I just thought the way that Paul writes the story was so well written. It just feels like you're along for the ride with him, like in every situation. He does tell things chronologically, except at the very beginning. He starts off with, like, when he finds out he has cancer. So, spoiler, this guy's cancer. Um, he is a neurosurgeon, um, and a neuroscientist and is in like his last like year or two of residency before he like can officially graduate and stuff like that. And he finds out that he has, uh, uh, what kind of cancer is it? Hold on. Lung cancer. Which is crazy. Um, he has lung cancer. He, he was not a smoker, crazy. right? He, he did nothing. No. He did nothing wrong. No. No, it's like, if she said it was like 0.0012 or something like that percent of people his age, like 35 or 36, that get lung cancer. Like, it was so rare. Um, it just blew, blew his mind. And his wife is in the medical field as well, so they both, like, saw his scans and knew exactly what they were looking at. Like, they couldn't, they couldn't wrap their head around it. And um, it's crazy. So she essentially writes this book. Um, sharing his story of like the why that like the why he ended up going into neurosurgery and like understanding that part of him like he goes through like his thoughts on mortality and like he shares how his diagnosis affected his personal life his family like his um career and actually was finalist for a Blizzard Prize which is I totally see that an incredible novel um, so but good. Dying Witch was for this, his manuscript to be published, and it is that is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I'm very thankful that he did get it published. Yeah, uh, because good. it really is beautiful. 
beautiful. I gave it five out of five if I haven't said that yet. Yeah. Um, and I didn't just feel like I just want to do this. I said, I kind of already wrote my little review for it. So I said, I didn't just feel like I was reading about someone's life. I felt like I was in the midst of it with him, understanding the why to his actions and motivations, um, which is so true. And I love the way that he kind of contemplates life. Like, the reason he wanted to get into neurosurgery is because he was like, how is it that our brains are just like an organ, like any other thing in our body, but like it holds our conscience, or our consciousness, consciences, consciences? Consciences. Consciences. And like, we are able to like contemplate like mortality and like what do these things mean? And, um, it's just really beautiful. And Maddie and I had talked about this after I finished it, but he, it, it leaves you just feeling so peaceful and just so hopeful mm-hmm. and like, just feel, you just feel very like, it, it feels okay. Like, like, you, like it feels, yeah, you're like, okay. But, okay this is like, okay. Like he's okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just, it, yeah. it was very beautiful. Yeah, and in, I, I in our text messages, we also compared the unwinding of the miracle to when breath becomes air. So one of the things that we said was just the unwinding of the miracle kind of pops back and forth throughout different parts of her life um, as she reflects on life, as she's um, having cancer treatments. And then when breath becomes air is literally like he's writing it at the end of his road. Like, it's not like yeah. he's writing at the beginning of his cancer journey. Like, he starts writing it when he's almost certain he's going to die. Um, mm-hmm. And so his is very reflective in a, I've already processed all of this, and this is where I've come to. And hers is very much, the book is her process. It is her thinking yeah. about everything and her, how to how she's, like, she talks about trying to prepare her family to, like, know where everything is and which things need, need to be paid oh when. Gosh. And that... I know it's so sad and but then he is like he's like this is just kind of how it is and he like kind of gets to grips with his faith and kind of like revisits stuff that he never even thought he'd have to like think about again or stuff with his family and but it's it's all of this premise of and this feeling of he's kind of okay with where life is going and I I told Haley that when I first finished the book I was like you know what if I die at such a young age like that that's okay. <laughs> I think I'll be okay yeah. because he just, he, yeah. his, he wraps his head around death in such term. a, yeah, yeah, he came to term with it. He wraps his head around death in such a, like, the, the, this is just what it is in a not fearful way. Well, there's even a part where he says, like, um, I think maybe the, his wife in the epilogue says something or maybe it's either in the epilogue or in the um, prologue, I believe, or the preface, um, where they essentially say, uh, well, the way Paul like approached death and this story in general was like, hey, we're all going to be there someday. And I hope that like, when, like, by walking in my shoes, when you end up being there someday, you'll be okay too. Oh, but I got chills. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, kill me. And like the very, like the very last paragraph that he personally wrote, he's talking about his daughter because, like, when they knew he didn't have very much left, um, they ended up getting pregnant, and he was he was in his daughter's life, I think, until she was about eight months old. And he's like talking to his daughter, and he's like, you know, I've been looking back on your life, and you're kind of like tallying up all the good things that you've done or whatever. He's like, don't discredit 
the, you know, the last few moments of a, a dying man's life and the joy that he brought him and like all this stuff. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, I need to read it again. It's so good. So Haley, do you like it better? Do you like it better than the unwinding of the miracle? I think it leaves you feeling more peaceful and hopeful, which is what we've discussed. Um, but I think there's something so raw and beautiful about the unwinding of the fact that you are going through it and you feel like, like, I mean, I know Paul does that too, but because he's kind of, he's in a more reflective state, I feel like it's able to maybe with a little bit more of like the bow on top feeling where I feel like unwinding is like, this is just me being raw and sharing because I just need to get this out. Like I just need to share this stuff. Um, I need to journal. I need to be like, this is what's going on with my cancer treatment, but I don't really understand it, but we're going to try this, I guess. And just, there's something really beautiful about that too. I would say at the end of unwinding, I'm more sad mm-hmm. than I'm hopeful and peaceful. Um, but I think that's just because, like I said, we're in that journey with her so much that you're like, holy crap. Like it just kind of hits you. It's like, a, it's just, yeah, it just hits you really hard, I think. Yeah. And then the they're other both so like, well, I feel like, and then on, and then when Rusty comes there, it's more of like, you're sad, but you feel like, like you said, like, this is okay, and I'm thankful for him and sharing his story. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Both, you know both are good. Okay. They're both good, but I don't know which one I would say is better. That's fair. Uh, when Rusty comes there, it's better. Just my opinion. <laughs> okay. Um, so we've talked about all our memoirs, but now we got to talk about, well, Haley, we know what you're reading. Know my name. Yes. Um, but I actually, yeah, so I, I am also reading a book, but I think I'm going to start, ask me what I'm reading first. Ask me what I'm reading. We know what you're reading. I am reading Little Women by Louisa May Alcott for the very first time. But I, here's my idea for the rest of 2020 is every single month I'm going to read all books within a certain genre. So January's month of memoirs. February is month of classics. So I'm not going to talk about which classics I'm going to read. I'm going to share that as a surprise at the end of the month of February. But every single month I'm going to decide, hey, this is the month I'm going to read this. This is the month I'm going to read this. So that is my goal. You know, I actually had the thought of like, what if we waited and read all of our thrillers in October? Let's do it. Oh my gosh. I know people do that. But the thing is, by doing that, then like in the summer when all the new thrillers come out, we have to wait. Like, we can't wait. Let's wait. Maybe make it Thriller July. Yeah. That might be the better option. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening on this really weird lit sis where it wasn't always super clear, but we're really thankful for you guys and your support always. Anything else? I I would just say I really enjoy doing the month of memoirs, but that doesn't mean we can't read any other memoirs that come our way the rest of the year. That's true, except for me, because I'm doing specific genres. Okay, yeah, but me, I have the freedom. You do. All right, well, thanks for taking a break from reading. Now go flip some pages. Are you there? Hello? Matt, can you hear me? Still nothing. I don't know if you can hear me, but I can't hear you or anything. I can hear you. No headphones.